I'll have what she's having. I love relationships. I love romantic comedies. I love love. We don't know what Cinderella looked like because she's not real. Yes, they freaking got it. Really earn that happily ever after at the end. Change the writing. It's not that hard. Hello, fellow hopeful romantics, and welcome to What She's Having, where a glass of rosé isn't required, but it's certainly encouraged. I'm your host, Ashley Eskew, and my guest today is the incredibly brilliant Brianna Henry. You're probably familiar with Brianna's work as an actress, playing Jordan Ashford on General Hospital. You've seen her in Insecure. You've seen her on The Morning Show. But Brianna is also expanding her career currently, turning her into a writer, producer, and owner of her own production company with her Oscar-winning and Oscar-nominated, currently, husband, Chris. I met Brianna when she was back at USC getting her undergraduate degree, and I was getting my master's. And it has been a very genuine pleasure to watch Brianna's heart and mind and, honestly, fame grow over these past few years. I am so excited to share with you the outstandingly brilliant Brianna Henry. Do it. Oh, Brianna Henry, one of my, I call everyone my favorites, but this is truly one of my favorite people. I am so happy to have you here with me today. I'm happy to be here. Thanks, lady. (laughs) You've had an incredible few years. You had General Hospital, Insecure, The Morning Show, a gorgeous wedding that was, side note, shot for Vogue. It's honestly enough to make me say I'll have what she's having. So how are you feeling after such a momentous few years? Oh, man. You know, I think... More than anything, I'm feeling really empowered. I feel like I'm finding my way into my own creative voice. You can relate to this, but our way into this industry was through acting. Um, And as much of that is a first love and will always be a part of my creative life, it can sometimes be a bit unfulfilling because you're kind of a piece, you're just an instrument in a bigger scope of storytelling. And you have a little bit less control over the narratives that you're cast in and a part of and all of the things. So it's been really fun developing my producer's hat and even even just uh, I've been taking like singing lessons, you know, just because it's something that I want to uh, kind of cultivate a little bit more. And it's something that I've always loved. And I think something that this past year specifically offered me was the time and space to see who I was other than just an actor. And I'm having a lot of fun navigating it. And Chris has been like a really delicious bonus to life that kind of walked through my doors a couple of years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Creatively and like partner wise. First of all, I love that you're taking voice lessons. What even metaphorically a great way to stretch your voice and put it more into the world. Just so we're all on the same page, the Chris Brianna is referring to as her husband, Chris Bowers. He's one of our top cinema and TV composers. He already has an Oscar for Green Book. He is responsible for all that sexy, sexy music in Bridgerton. Oh, and also he's currently working on a little movie called Space Jam with LeBron James. We will definitely get to him. But first, I want to focus on you. Like you said, you started as an actor, but you're growing into also a producer and writer now and building a production company. Yes. What stories are you trying to tell right now? How are you building your slate? What are you interested in? 
when Chris and I kind of got together, we both kind of expressed this desire of wanting to do more than just the original art in which we trained and loved. And it's kind of been a dream even prior to Chris of directing and producing and just really getting my fingers in other things other than just acting. Because I think there was a part of me that always knew the heartache of it. It weighs a little bit over time and, and you start to want to be seen in a way that you aren't always being seen in your craft. We kind of just decided, we were like, let's start a production company and it's called Etal Studios. We're really, I think, interesting. So Etal is short for the Latin word Italia, which means and others. That's really where the scope of our storytelling wants to live is just kind of the subtle, profound human stories of people that you don't always see represented. Uh, a concerto is a conversation, which is a project that Chris and his friend Ben Proudfoot, um, producer and, and director, created with each other. And it's really inspired some conversation about what other stories we can tell that are, like I said, just really subtle and relatable and kind of illuminating areas of life that don't always get the most attention, but are really delicious to navigate. Yeah, and nominated for an Oscar this year. Congratulations. Do you guys have any rom-coms on the slate? Well, first of all, Chris will kill me to tell you this, but he's a huge rom-com. No, he's not. Chris loves, he was laughing because it's like, oh, he almost feels more appropriate for this podcast. I mean, he loves rom-coms. Um, he's such a sucker for them. He's such a hopeless romantic. And I think that there's so many different audiences and different ways that you can uh, share important profound stories, even in romantic comedies. So I wouldn't write that off our list. I think that could definitely be something that happens in the future. Ooh, so we know that Chris is a fan, but is Brianna a fan? Did you have any favorite rom-coms growing up? I've always like uh, been a hopeless romantic. I've always wanted to find my person. But I think in a lot of ways, I grew up with really complicated like love relationships in my life you know one of the I feel like the most profound love relationship that I got to witness was my mom and my dad but they got divorced when I was very young and the love relationship that actually felt more profound to me was their co-parenting relationship and that kind of love relationship that they had so you know I, I always joke and say I didn't necessarily feel completely tied to the idea of getting married or having this whimsical fairy tale-esque life I always just kind of knew I wanted to find a partner and a person that I was in love with. And it wasn't really until I met Chris that I was like, oh, yeah, let's get married. I guess that's a, a cool thing to do. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think that, you know, some of the rom-coms I grew up, I loved Hitch. I remember being one of my favorites, partly because I was just so in love with Will Smith for, you know, the majority of my life. And, you know, Love and Basketball, uh, Deliver Us from Eva. There were a lot of rom-coms that I didn't always see myself in mm. and I didn't always feel identified in. And so I often found myself moving more towards the Black rom-coms and the, the love stories with people that kind of reflected like me. But that being said, there were those, you know, such as Bridesmaids, which was, I think, is one of the best love stories because it's actually this unconventional love story of best friends and what a friendship looks like and when it needs to evolve, when a love relationship comes into that friendship. And, you know, I, I still think to this day, Bridesmaids is probably one of my favorite rom-coms to date just because of the female undertones of it. Well, that makes sense to me because for as long as I've known you, you have had some of the strongest female relationships and friendships I have ever witnessed. Truly, I've admired it from the moment I met you. Was that always important to you? Did you seek it out? Yeah, I mean, I appreciate you um, 
acknowledging that it definitely was something that I think I was always seeking just as I was looking for a love relationship and a partner. I think I was looking for a love relationship with women too. Um, I found myself floating so much throughout high school and middle school and going to amazing private schools where I was often the only person of color in my, you know, one of the few in my school. And, you know, I was bullied a lot and teased a lot, which made a lot of friendships complicated because it was forcing people to kind of um, examine their role and standing up for someone that's being teased for race. And I found some of my female relationships growing up not being as secure as I always hoped for and dreamed for. It takes a lot of work just like being a good wife. Uh, it takes work learning how to be a good girlfriend and being a good woman to other women, women. And so it really kind of came into my life. You know, I, I met one of my best girlfriends, Virginia, when I was at USC, and she kind of introduced me to this like beautiful group of just the kindest, most talented, wonderful women. And, um, you know, I've just kind of been collecting these powerful, wonderful women. You know, when I met Chris, it was one of the first conversations we had. It was like, listen, you will always have to make space for these women because they are such an integral part of my life and who I am. And I, I feel like I'm a better woman in the world because of the love relationships I have with women in my life. You said you had to learn how to cultivate those relationships. What tools do you have? You know, there often felt like there couldn't be more than one of us that was amazing in a room, right? As women, I think we're so... Um, that's what we witness. That's what we witness. It's like, there can only be one of us. There's only one beautiful girl in the room. There's only one talented woman in the room. And we almost feel like that beauty or that power, or that talent can take from our own rather than realizing illuminating it in other women is only going to illuminate it more in yourself. And, you know, I really think that there was this moment for me where I just felt much more judgmental of women than I felt was healthy at one point. And I realized when I looked a little bit deeper, it was because I was so judgmental of myself <laughs> and so critical of myself. And that once I started investing in judging others less and judging other women less and finding ways to empower them, I found that I myself was empowering myself. It was like, oh, wow, look at what happens when I give this love to other women it feels like it only enriches the love for myself. I, I'm, I'm getting kind of emotional hearing you talk about that. I had such a similar journey. And like I said, I, I think it's because in film, television, literature, it's constantly the women are pitted against each other, usually because yeah. they want the same man, yeah. which is insane. I also just think it has such profound benefits that when Chris is busy or Chris has things going on in his life, he's not the sole person I'm going to, to feel enriched and loved and showered with support. I have this whole tribe of women that come from such different backgrounds, you know. Speaking of amazing women, you were on Insecure. You worked with Issa Rae, who, I mean, today we have so much to celebrate with her eight-figure deal. Can we fangirl over her for a second? Can you talk about working with her? I mean, come on. Well, I mean, one, can I tell you, it was such a dream to get that job. I mean, I just love, I mean, HBO is like one of my favorite networks. And to see this like almost black cultured sex in the city-esque type show on a platform like that just was so empowering as a woman of color. I remember the first day I was on set, I was walking to my trailer. I was super nervous. And Issa, there's Issa, and she comes right up to me. And she was just like, you know, we're so happy to have you here. Like, how are you? She just created such a space of like comfort and love. Just energetically, you kind of have a thought like, oh, 
this is why you're the head of this ship. Like the fact that you could just come over here and instantly melt away my nerves and make me feel so like I belonged. It's just a quality that uh, I don't know if everyone gets to see until they get to work with her. It was interesting. Yesterday, I, I posted a picture on my Instagram story just because I thought she looked so gorgeous in uh, one of her Vogue fo- photo shoots. And I didn't even read about the deal yet. Really? Just like having these women like Ava DuVernay and Issa Rae and, you know, Janelle Monae, all, just all of these powerful women of color that are just coming out with their production companies and creating their own content and taking control over their narratives and the narratives of Black women is just uh, the utmost respect. That set is run predominantly not just on screen, but off screen by Black creators, correct? Uh, yeah. Did the set feel any different as a result of that? Ooh, I've never been on a set so black and in, in the best and the best way. There were so and so many different races too. It wasn't even just it was just like all people of color. And it was just such a family environment. You know, you walk on sets a lot of the time as a person of color and you're like one of a few. GH, they're they're doing uh, you know, they're making huge progress in casting uh being more inclusive with their cast, but even there, you know, there are days where there's only two of us walking around, <laughs> you know, downstairs. But to be on this set where there were so many people of color and you have, you know, hairstylists that know how to do your hair and makeup artists that know how to match your makeup and so many women, so many women on this set. And it was such a treat because Liesl Tommy was actually the director of my episode. The amount of support and groundedness that she brought to that set, it was just delicious. I mean, we rarely get to be directed by women, I feel like. And then to be directed by a woman of color was just a really fun, eye-opening experience. I've been professionally acting now, I feel like for about seven years. And just from the time I started auditioning to now, seeing myself represented by all these different women that look like me. And, you know, I was just talking to Chris the other day about Euphoria and Zendaya and how, you know, she's this delicious experience to watch her. Not only is she just so talented and so honest, she also culturally feels like so many different things while being a person of color, which is something that I can really identify with being, you know, multiracial. I'll be clear, I identify as a woman of color because that's the experience that I have have in the world. But culturally, I'm much more white Latin influenced because of my Miami origins. You know, you go into casting offices and you're not black enough um, and you go into rooms and you're also um, you're not white. (laughs) So you also don't fit in there. And unfortunately, in Hollywood throughout the throughout history, so many of the black representations of you know, African-American women have been biracial women or multiracial women, you know, because unfortunately we have been seen as digestible to white America. Um, And I'm so grateful that we're moving away from that. And you have all different shades of black women and multiracial women coming out and being a part of things because there is a distinction between the different experiences and the different levels of privilege, right? Uh, you see it in other communities of color too, like the Asian community. With Minari, it's, it's so amazing to have this Korean story told. And so much of American culture just sums them all up into one. I mean, my best girlfriends are um, Chinese and they speak different dialects. And some people don't know the difference between Mandarin and Cantonese and the fact that it's not just all the same culturally. So I think it's what's so important about the inclusivity movement that's happening in Hollywood right now, because it's giving, I think, people that are not people of color, the opportunity to see the subtle intricacies of culture and race and how it's not just one thing, it's a bunch of things. 
Can you think of a single romance story that has a protagonist that's reflective of who you are? You know, I actually really, in a lot of ways, I think Jules and Rue from uh, Euphoria is quite a love story between the two of them. And Zendaya is multiracial. Uh, I think she identifies as white and black and uh, Jules is obviously transgender. <laughs> I was just so blown away by that. And, and watching Zendaya so much culturally, she feels like so much of what I identify with. And because I grew up in these environments where there weren't a lot of black people that were accessible to me to fulfill this curiosity and really aching for my black culture. You know, I've infiltrated black music Black TV, Black film, all of the stuff I was watching and absorbing was of Black people because I think that I was homesick. You know, I, I do think that there is something to be said for having this white and Black experience that coexists with each other that I don't know if we've touched on a whole lot in uh, entertainment yet. I agree. And this is why I'm so excited you're producing and creating and writing. Yeah. We need more Brianna Henry is the reality. Thanks. Let's talk about your love story. Oh. <laughs> Can you tell us about your quarantine wedding? Yes. Oh, man, what a whirlwind. <laughs> Woo. Uh, I mean, when uh, we had to cancel it, it was a little, you know, it was definitely a couple of days in the fetal position crying and, you know, throwing my little tantrums about it. But ultimately, we made peace with it. And we're like, okay, we'll figure it out another time. And it was about a, it was about maybe 10 days or so. It was just before the George Floyd protests really sparked and the video went viral. And we had decided that we wanted to do a wedding. I was like hanging out at Chris's studio in the backyard. And he came out and he was like, hey, what do you think about getting married here? I was like, okay. <laughs> you know, we were going to get married at this place called the Santa Lucia Preserve, which had all these amazing redwoods. It was like a redwood preserve that's been there for decades. And uh, nature was like a really important theme to us. And so, you know, we had this big, beautiful bat, uh, tree in the backyard at the studio. We just wanted to kind of accentuate on the nature that was present. Um, and, you know, we tried to be as thorough as possible, got everybody tested, really kind of peer pressured everyone to stay in their houses until the wedding <laughs> so that there wasn't like cross contamination after getting tested and stuff. And smart. It was, uh, you know, it was the first time I touched my mom in since the beginning of the pandemic at our wedding. And, um, you know, we only had about, I think it was 16 people. Um, we got little masks made and the wedding actually felt much more like um, representative of who Chris and I are. And it was such an act of love that day, which is why I think the pictures even came across the way they did. You know, Vogue was such a pleasant surprise. <laughs> it was not something we were planning on being a part of the day. I mean, a pleasant surprise. Your wedding was shot by Vogue. Come oh, on. Yeah, how did that feel? Such a dream. There wasn't a whole lot of little Brianna that was dreaming of her wedding, but you know, the adult Brianna that was dreaming of her wedding could have never imagined it being in Vogue or getting attention from anything like that. I, I felt really proud of the amount of love and honesty that went into that day. And we saved a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> I just know if I knew Vogue was shooting my wedding, I would be so freaked out. And I'm using my insider information here, but 
Didn't you order just a dress online and threw it on? It was just like such a natural representation of who you are and the beauty you bring to a room. Yeah, it really was like, you know, all the dresses, I think maybe one of my six bridesmaids ordered a dress, but all the other ones were just from their closets. We were on a group text, like, okay, this dress, like one of my friends actually cut out each dress and put them next to each other to see how they would look. No. And it was funny because I bought this, you know, beautiful, obnoxiously priced wedding dress from Vera Wang, which is still shamedly in my bathroom (laughs) to keep away from the moths in my house. (laughs) It also just didn't feel like the vibe and the essence of this day wanted to be a lot more simple. So I went online and found this, you know, cheap, beautiful wedding looking dress and did my own makeup and, you know, had my girlfriends kind of help me with my hair and called it a day. (laughs) You're such a wonder. How did this love story even start? What's your and Chris's meet cute? Oh man. Bumble. I know. Such a time. I mean, what a crazy, like, if you would have told me that my love story would have uh, happened on a dating app, I would have been like, yeah, okay. But, you know, it was funny because I actually was really intentional with using Bumble. It started by women and it's, you know, really puts a lot of the power in the woman's hands. And, you know, you go on some of these other dating apps and you get a lot of weirdos and a lot of creeps and a lot of messages. And I wasn't interested in that. So uh, I went on Bumble and it just so happens that I was his first online date ever. The night I actually had a date with Chris, I was trying to get out of it. I was a soul cycle instructor at the time. I was exhausted. I had taught like three classes that day. I was over it. And I was like, definitely not looking for love really at the moment. And my girlfriends were like, oh, he's so cute though. Like, just go. He's so, just go. He went to Juilliard. I was like, okay, whatever, I'll go. You owe them. You owe them. I owe them. I really, really do. <laughs> well, he owes them too. He to be does. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they were all team Chris very early on. More than team Brianna, I found often. And yeah, we went on our first date and it was really sweet. And it was really kind of the slow burn for us. It was not this explosion of passion in the beginning. It was really getting to know each other and taking our time. And, you know, what really sealed the deal for me was I, I got food poisoning or something. It was throwing up. I was just like really disgustingly sick. And so I came home and he was in like Santa Monica at the time for a meeting. And uh, he was like, Hey, like, how are you? I was like, I'm really sick. I'm at home. I'm not doing well. I'm throwing up. And he was like, okay, I'm coming. I was like, no, 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 no. You know, we're only dating for a couple of weeks at this point. I literally look like a wet rat that's just been like vomiting all day. And he came over with everything that didn't even make sense from CVS to buy for someone that had food poisoning. Um, Just like all (laughs) kinds of medicines. And, you know, my last memory was like falling asleep with a super high fever. Virginia had come over at that point, which was the first time Chris and Virginia got to really spend time together. And they were both just like rubbing my head and massaging my body while I like fell asleep from this fever. And after that, you know, I couldn't get rid of Chris, even if I wanted to. My girlfriends were like, oh, (laughs) you found him. (laughs) Yeah. As women, I think we're in a place where we don't want to be defined by our partners. Yeah. And you are incredibly successful and have such a strong identity in your own right. But Chris has also had an amazing few years. Oh, yeah. Are there any struggles that you've had with that dynamic? I have people ask me that quite a lot. And I think it's just because the trajectory of his career kind of just exploded. And I was really, I came into his life at the very beginning. Chris was only working on Dear White People (laughs) when we met. And I think he had done uh, Kobe Bryant's Muse 
um, or was it Muse or uh, the Showtime documentary that they did on Kobe Bryant. Um, you know, he was really just beginning and his career just took off so beautifully and so enormously that, you know, I think more than anything, it's only created opportunity for both of us. And, you know, I think that we're so aligned artistically that the explosion of his career only showed in what ways I could be fruitful to helping support his dreams and how he could help support mine. So we really kind of took on just this creative partnership of like, how can we help make each other's dreams come true, <laughs> um, which felt really fruitful. But, you know, there's definitely times where I'm, you know, reminding myself of my own worth in some of these rooms that we're, we're getting into and some of these conversations that we're having with people. And, you know, there's a lot of time when I, I started dating Chris that we would go to these, you know, the Emmys or these like beautiful events and I'm standing there and, you know, people are pouring themselves of love over Chris and his talent. And, you know, they're like, oh, you look so beautiful. And it's like, oh, but I have so much to offer. Like, I know you don't see it yet, but it's in there. And I think the biggest thing I can say to that is that I feel very grateful to have a partner that regardless of how explosively beautiful his career has, you know, developed, he's always made it a really strong point to remind me of my own value. I have no doubt that all those successes are currently yours and will be yours even more in the future. A spark is lit and I don't even think people understand how big a firecracker is about to go off that is named Rihanna Henry. Oh, thank you. I just ask because I, I think that beautiful answer speaks to your own security. Hmm. If I was in the same position, I think I might have more insecurities. And it happens. Yeah, well, I think that security is a testament to you, though, and maybe why you're in such a thriving relationship to begin with. I really appreciate that. I mean, it definitely, I think that Chris and I were very lucky to have met our, ourselves. You know, when Chris met me, I was really in... Uh, such a deep place of self-reflection and self-healing. And, you know, I, I have depression. I experience that. I get spouts of depression quite often. And so I was really on quite a personal journey when Chris met me, was really already on the path of learning to love myself and support myself individually. So I think that that created a really healthy foundation for us to start on because I was taking so much time in navigating me before he came. I have some audience questions. Are you willing to take them? Ooh, yeah. All right. From Ava in New Orleans, you were such a vital role in Apple TV's The Morning Show, which tackled some huge topics with some of our most beloved stars. How did it feel to be on that set? Uh, I mean, <laughs> like, it's funny. I think I had a line or something like that, and it was nerve-wracking. I mean, it was, it was truly an amazing experience, but to be with just such pros that have been in the industry for so long. I remember one of the days I was shooting, I played Billy Crudup's uh, assistant and he is a powerhouse of an actor. I felt like a lesson I learned was, and I'm always reminded of, is that it doesn't matter how small of the role you actually have on a show. There's so much that you can learn and be witness to and a space like that with the type of actors that are on that show. And watching Billy navigate the room and demand space for himself, experience the emotions that he was needing to deliver in that scene. And uh, I'd never really seen an actor hold space that way. And it makes sense that he's from the theater because I feel like that's something that theater actors are just you know, trained to do because you're acting in front of so many live bodies every night. It was a profound experience. I was like honored. 
I was like, you want to make me goo goo sister or something? Like, let's figure it out, guys. <laughs> Honestly, playing an assistant to a man of power, your role really resonated in that storytelling. Totally. Totally. Absolutely. And I mean, such brave storytelling, uh, you know, diving into the dynamics between men and women and the power struggle between the two. And I mean, the submission that so many women are, are forced into in, in these spaces with these men that have been in these roles generationally for so long. I felt really proud to have my name attached to that, even if it was in a really small capacity. Good, you should. Nora from Laguna Nagal would like to ask, so many people get killed off soap operas. I hope it never happens to you. But if it did, do you know how you'd want to go? Oh, Nora, that's a great question. <laughs> you know, I'd want it to be like really over the top. Like, you know, I like dove into the ocean and like, maybe drowned or I don't even know, or maybe like a gunfight where, you know, I'm like in, a, you know, I'm a police commissioner. So maybe I'm like, you know, trying to save somebody or something and just get knocked off by one of Sonny's hitmen or something, you know, something, something with action involved would be the way that I would want to go out. I hope no one on the writing team of GH is listening because those are <laughs> incredible ideas. <laughs> Oh, kill me. <laughs> <laughs> She's too good. Um, and our final question is from Shane in Tennessee. Who is your favorite romantic leading man? Oh, that's a great question. You know, I have to say, I love, love, love Stephen James. He was in a Bill Street Could Talk. He's phenomenal. And I think uh, I'm such a fan of his work. And I just kind of, uh, he was in Homecoming with Julia Roberts as well. Um, Yes, he's incredible. Incredible. And I think he plays chemistry in a really beautiful, poetic kind of way. Yeah, I would say that's probably my like favorite leading men right now. Mm, Good choice. Yeah. You've made it to the lightning round, lady. Here we go. Texting or talking? Ooh, I'm going to say texting. Says the girl that always sends voice memos. Oh, that's true. <laughs> voice memos? Okay, fine. Maybe talking if voice memos aren't even talking. I love a voice memo. <laughs> what was the nickname that your parents used to call you? Uh, Breezy or Nikki. My middle name's Nicole. Would you want to live forever? Only if the people I loved could live forever. Ask permission or beg forgiveness? Beg forgiveness. And finally, what is the greatest act of love you've ever witnessed? Oh, man. Oh, there's so many, you know, uh, a little bit about me that I don't think a lot of people know is my stepfather was, is, uh, he's no, not currently in my life anymore, but he was, uh, is a paraplegic and he got paralyzed a couple of months after my mother and him, uh, got married, my mom's second marriage. And, um, the role in which she had to embody as a caregiver and as a mother. I I really just think it was such a selfless sacrifice of herself for so long to help take care of her family and and remedy this terrible tragedy that happened to us when I was very young. Uh, I would say that was probably one of the most profound act of loves, a mother's love and a, a woman's love when she's decided that that's where she wants to put her love. Brianna Henry, you're just one of the best humans there is. I love you, Ashley. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'll definitely have what you're having. (laughs) That's for sure. Right. I'll have some of yours too. (laughs) Well, it's 
hard to do much better than that. If you guys want to listen to any of the content we discussed today, Brianna and I talked about Bridesmaids, Hitch, Love and Basketball, Deliver Us from Eva, Euphoria, currently on HBO, and I really encourage everyone to look up A Concerto as a Conversation. Just Google it. You'll find it on the New York Times. And please look up those Vogue pictures. You will not regret it. They are stunning, not just because, yes, Brianna and her husband and their friends are all beautiful people, but there is a light in both of them that, uh, if you're anything like me, will bring you to tears. Uh, Today is April Fool's Day, so if you're looking for any neat, cute content, make sure to check out Pranked and Hey Bumble. I'm pretty sure after a story like that, we should start talking like sponsorships, because is there really any better love story than what you heard today? Please rate, review, and subscribe us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any feedback, any questions, any meet cute stories of your own, DM us at meet cute or on Twitter at listen meet cute. Oh, thank you all so much for being here. I'm Ashley Eskew and I'll have what she's having. <laughs>